All right, Mr. Ridgway, can I hear you good? Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, all right. We are kind of live. Recordings is already going. So I might as well get us started then. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The Asylum Podcast. I am the host of this new, brand new format podcast, EXA TV. Along with my other podcast buddy, uh, Mr. LR91. Hi, I like to call myself multiple things, the voice LR91. Just, well, we got a lot of things to discuss nonetheless. Yes, uh, for today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the oh, the WrestleMania weekend. We're going to discuss... We're not going to try to drag on too long because I know for the fact the match card was pretty long and me and my partner will not try to drag it as long as we want to. We're also going to talk about the NBA and what's going on and baseball as well. Part of this podcast for today's podcast for today. So without further ado, I guess we can start. Really, I want to just start with WrestleMania because it's going to be taking majority of the time and we'll go from. Top of the card, all the way toward the end, we'll give our grading system. We'll try to breeze through this as quickly as we can, but also giving our input. So, let's start with, of course, the pre-show, which we had, of course, you know, the good old, the good old, you know, that good old men's battle world, Andre the Giant. Yeah. Let's talk about that, partner. Matt yeah, Hart. I actually did not get to watch this, but of course we know the result of Bray Wyatt helping Matt Hardy win. Yes. As far as I know, Matt Hardy did beat the original winner of the Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal in Baron Corbin with the little help of Barry Wyatt. Now, of course, the Battle Royal, usually not a lot of people are gonna watch it because it's a battle royal, guys. So as far as that, I, I I'll give it a I'll give it an average grade of a D. Personally, I'm gonna give it a D because it's it's, it's really nothing uh too crazy at the moment. Then after that, we had the cruiserweight championship match between Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. And honestly, I love this match. If it if it, it would have been a it would have been one of my match of the night partner, but at the same time. I can't put it as the match of the night because of the simple fact of the of how they did the match bogus. The fact that you had an ad running while this match was going on kind of killed the vibe for me, and it kind of dropped it down a little bit. I love the match; don't get me wrong, but it kind once they put that little double screen thing that happened during the match, it kind of killed the vibe. So honestly, it was a great match. I give it between these both. I know they did their best. I have to give it. About a B, not a B plus, but a B. Because honestly, they worked their asses off. But honestly, I don't think, you know, it was match of the night material. Well, this is where I'm going to have to first disagree with you. I actually liked it more than you did. I gave it a B plus, And I really don't care about the whole ad thing, doing them bogus. Because just the fact that these are two talented men working for a great match. Just a lot of... Good build-up, a lot of good in-ring psychology. Uh, I really liked it. And in my opinion, it is one of the three matches of the night. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that statement there. You know, like I said, they, they both they both 
you know, went out and put their hearts out there. Like I said, it's a great match. I just can't put it as my match of the night because, like I said, it's, like, I just don't understand because, like, legitly, they put the Ronda Rousey ad right on top of it. I'm like, dude, really? We know that match is going to be there. Which, by the way, we're going to get to that topic a little a little later in the podcast as well. We're gonna, yes, that ad was – they actually had that ad running. So, had so many times this weekend. Yes, I, I, I kid you not. I really wanted to quit life. Uh, then we got the women's battle world, which we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about this too long. We're not gonna talk about how this originally was a different person's name battle royal, which we're not gonna discuss because I think the the Twitter Nazis and the keyboard warriors already ate that up with the with the with the swiftness. So yeah. we'll we'll leave that one to be. Um, Naomi C minus. Uh, for me, I'll give it. A, I'll agree with you there, partner. I will say a C minus due to the fact towards the end of the match, we saw a little bit of the storyline between Shasha and Bailey, and how we still don't know who is facing. We still don't know who's heel. Golly, golly, WWE, fix your goddamn thing. But of course, Bailey thought she had the match won when she put Shasha. Over the top rope. The fans thought she won the match. Everybody was going crazy in the arena. But then Naomi, of course. Early in the match, she got tossed between the middle ropes, which, of course, Bailey tried to attack, gets reared in in the face, and pretty much gets dropped on her face and gets over the top rope, making it the second year in a row for Naomi winning at WrestleMania. Congratulations to her. I'm gonna be honest. I did like the whole NXT thing they had going on, but I forgot really, it was a waste of time. I forgot who did that 450. It was, I was watching the match actually. There was one woman that actually pulled off a 450. And that I, was I, beautiful. That was some of the. That was first off. That's a lot of athleticism, and you don't see a lot of women doing. The stuff like the guys do, the flippy stuff. Yeah, you don't see a lot of them doing diving moves. If you do, it's usually just a splash or an elbow drop. But the fact – I forgot who it was. I got to rewatch it. But honestly, whoever did that 450, that was – that was moi. Some – just some excellent. Something that you will never – something that I kind of didn't expect at all. And that's – that's I got to give credit where credit is due. But there is one thing I got a little irritated before this match. It's because – why did uh, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Bayley take precedent over everyone else? That's what really irked me. Yeah, that – I don't know. Honestly, I don't get it. Um, I, like I said, it's WWE in its booking part. That's partly what it is. It's WWE in its booking because that's what it is. It's just what it is. So um, let's move right along here. All right, so – the first match of the night, which I which I said was going to be possibly a match of the night candidate as the first match, we had the defending champion, The Miz, take on Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, and the winner was Seth Rollins. I, my pick was Finn Balor. Uh, I was actually, actually, no, my original pick was originally The Miz to retain this. However, I changed my, I changed my mind because I felt like Finn Balor might get over but no, it wasn't. But I will say this. 
there was at the beginning of the match. I don't know if you noticed it part while you were watching it, but the Miz told his told the Miz Bo Dallas, and of course Curtis Axel. He told him to go to the back, which was yeah, actually. Which is actually surprising, seeming that the Miz is the heel. You would assume that he would have them down there. Well, um, as well, the whole big thing about the Miz's storyline was that he wanted to um have this um victory to commemorate his daughter's birth. Of course, we all know how that turned out. In my thing, think of the match is I didn't want Rollins to win. And it's not because I don't like Seth Rollins. He's one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE right now. I just didn't want him to win because, first of all, Finn Balor's attire had a much greater message, and The Miz had a much greater message. Don't get me wrong. The attires and the concept. Finn Balor. Now, I've been noticing this a lot lately, how they have not used the demon gimmick, which is good because they were kind of oversaturating with it. And I like the attire that Finn Balor had with the the whole, you know, the LGBT being that was going on. I do really appreciate that. And that was good for them to do that. It was it's kind of a nice little touch for Finn Balor. Something something that usually not a lot of wrestlers do. Um of course, you know, a lot of people have their mixed feelings about Seth Rollins, honestly. Uh with this title win, however, Seth Rollins is a grand a part of the Grand Slam Club now. He's in elite Which company. There's two former stable mates, by the way, unfortunately. However, However, he's in some great company. He's in some great elite company. Uh, I will go a little bit into this match. Uh, there were some great spots in this match. One being the Miz doing the – everybody said it was a bulldog. I personally think that that was a freaking top rope skull-crushing finale. I don't know about you, partner. Some it reminds me a lot of – you know how Chris Jericho had that face buster back in 2000? Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that. I I think I think Miz didn't because the way they had it set up the way they had it set up LR was the fact that when Miz was on it I don't think he had full grip when when he did it because honestly uh when he had it it looked like he had it halfway and then he had to jump so when he did it it kind of looked like it was like a bulldog or a face buster if he would have connect with it I would not have a problem with it at all it would have been nice a nice little touch uh. Rollins, Dan, out of nowhere, another great spot for me was when Miz had the figure four leg lock, locked in, and out of nowhere, Rollins, being the CrossFit Jesus of the world, just out of nowhere does a crazy frost left, like, coast to coast. Like, dang, okay, cool. Uh, but talking about the high-flying moves, Finn Balor's coup de gras was really good, too. Wade, well done by Finn Balor, but then... Seth Rollins curb stomp. I don't know why the commentators keep calling it the stomp. I think it. I don't know exactly. That's what I was about to uh, delve into. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take too much time out of it. But it's kind of. I want to see. I want to make the move kind of flavor it down because it seems like it's flavoring down when they say that. It's kind of annoying me every time I hear the stomp. Call it what it is. Curb stomp, as we used to know it. But what was that? A peace of mind. The blackout. Just don't call it the stomp. That just sounds lame. The great part about that was that Seth Rollins hits the curb stomp on top of the like Finn Balor's head hit the back of Miz hit the back of Miz. Then Miz got set up and he gets curb stomp as well, knocking him down. It was a great match. It was a great match. 
Uh, it was a great, it was a great way to start off the match. Now we got the women's SmackDown Women's Champion. I feel like the top of the card should have been the bottom of the card. To be honest, partner, I, I'm sorry. The I'm top of the card to agree. Just, but I will say this: the entire card until like the last three matches was really good. Yeah, I feel like I just felt like the, they should have switched the card around. Honestly, but I digress. Let's keep on pushing. Um, the SmackDown Women's Championship, of course. Charlotte versus Asuka. A lot of a lot of speculation was going on. Rumors from the dirt sheets and PW Insider saying the possibility of Asuka is gonna beat Charlotte Flair for the championship and continue the undefeated streak. Well, to all the keyboard warriors there, y'all have something to type about there. Asuka lost clean, fair, in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, and Charlotte beats her by figure eight submission. Now I was not a fan of this match. Well, I was a fan of the match. I was not a fan of the decision. As far as a lot of the people were upset because they felt like Asuka, they kind of, they felt like Asuka, if they, they could have played it off just a little bit more. But at the same time, for me, I don't think it wasn't, it, the match was good. You can't take nothing away from the match. Well, um, yeah, the match was good, but the tap out just, it really upset me because there is no reason why. The most badass women's wrestler on the entire roster, not named Ronda Rousey, taps out to a figure eight leg lock at WrestleMania. That is You do true. not tap out at WrestleMania to begin with. Yes, that is true. Um honestly, Parter, there was a lot of good spots in this match. I mean yeah. I mean, what where do I start here? First off, Charlotte Charlotte and Asuka, I mean the, I mean these two women, they they put on a, I want to say a classic, but they put on a great masterpiece. Like it was very tell. Uh, one spot I wanted to point out in this match specifically, Parker, that I wanted to point out was Charlotte busting out a Spanish fly. Yeah. And at first, when I looked at it, it looked nice, but when I looked on the replay, I was like, ooh, I don't know, that kind of, that kind of, that kind of looked bad for a second. Also, we gotta talk about how Oscar she caught Charlotte, she intercepted Charlotte and put her from a moose into a triangle choke. How I don't know. Whoever, yeah. whoever, whoever created that spot was a genius. That was just yeah. beautiful, beautiful work. Honestly, one of my favorite matches. It wasn't my match of the night. However, this match, I I gotta say, this one. Takes the cake on the card, and there's and there should be no saying for Oscar. She had a good two year reign. I mean, honestly, she was dominant, yep. very dominant. I will also talk about. I will also mention this real quick that both Shinsuke Nakamura and Oscar the winners lost, which is rare. I will get. I will get to that when we get to Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. But let's let's try to pick it up a little bit here. Uh, part- uh, uh, real quick, uh, because we forgot about it, I gave the triple. I gave the triple threat match about a solid B, and then this match a B plus. I think the triple threat I got a B plus, and this match I gave it. I actually gave it an A minus. So this match I give it an A minus, just a little bit. Um, I'm gonna run down this real quickly. I'm not gonna spend too much time on the United States match because I pretty much yawned. It's a waste of time. But apparently, Jinder Mahal wins the match. Um, Rusev, WWE, it to Rusev. 
Rusev was really over in this match. Um, yeah, uh, we're gonna leave that one alone. Uh, Jinder Mahal's the United States Championship. This match was really boring, to be honest. There was no yeah. really good build to it. The only person that was really getting popped was Rusev, but that was about it. So, yeah. well, I'll give this about a D plus at most. Yeah, that's about what I'd give it. Maybe a D at uh at worst. Now, the match that everybody is talking about, the all this hype, every ESPN has been posting is not like match on the main card actually. Everybody's been talking about it. ESPN, CBS, all these big outlets have been talking about this Ronda Rousey match. Like, okay. My me, we and you before we watched that match, we had our expectations very low. We thought that hey, Ronda Rousey, they're gonna really protect her. I don't think she's really ready because for the last couple of weeks her mic skills heading up to this event was really poor. Yeah. And it, Honestly, at the beginning, they did really start to protect her because um, they had Angle taking a lot of the grunt work. But as the match went on, uh, shout out to both Ronda and Stephanie for taking a lot of bumps. I will have to give a lot of credit. First off, first off, the, the storytelling with, with Ronda trying to attack Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, but she didn't really know because he was like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. I like the storytelling. I know for the fact that I felt I kind of got a little bit worried for a second throughout this match. I was like, is this going to become one of the matches where it's just going to be both Kurt Angle and Triple H who are way out of their primes at this point taking bumps? That was the most thing I was worried about because if that was going to happen, I was just like, this match is going to be a flop, all the hype. But then I saw Triple H. He was out there. He actually stood out there for a very long time, which kind of surprised me a little bit. So And then Ron tagged in, and the match really picked up. Because at first, it was very slow. But that was everybody was wondering, Will Ronda, does Ronda Rousey really can compete? And when that hot tag made and Ronda got in there, she looked like a million bucks. She went in, had all this intensity, and she went – she blew my mind. She went after Stephanie McMahon, didn't even care. And, man, some of the stuff she did was just amazing part. I, I got to admit, that was some amazing stuff that I saw. Yep. Uh, a couple spots that I want to point out to you, partner, that I like the most. Uh, I got a hilarious one, actually. Uh, my first – my hilarious one spot of the night was when Triple H, he grabbed the ref because Ronda Rousey just got back up. After Triple H just knocked Kurt Angle in a, I don't want to say a botch over the announcer's table, Ronda Rousey gets back in the ring and she screwed up with the COO. The COO. I'm like, yo, this can't, they're not going to actually let this go. Doing that, uh, what's the word? Sissy fighting with the slapping. I was like, there's no, I'm watching this part. I was like, is is the ref going to let this happen? Because this is a mixed tag team match. Females supposed to fight females. Guys supposed to fight guys, right? I was like, there's no way Triple H is going to let Ronda Rousey. Come, come on. I was cracking up. I was like, yo, if they let this happen, this is going to explode. This is going to explode. Ronda, Triple H squares up. Ronda squares up. Ronda just goes in. I'm like, yo, the arena starts to pop. You hear the crowd just going crazy. Uh, that was a great spot. And then, of course, what really surprised me, partner, was the Triple H, 
who look like she who look like who's about to pedigree Ronda Rousey picks her up in a power bomb. And by the way, by the way, I was like, is she really about to pedigree her? Bury her like this? I was like, damn, this is about to, this is gonna suck so bad, isn't it? And then she comes up with that Frankensteiner. Yes, the Frankensteiner because not the bridge. I was like, and when she busts out and then transitioned into an arm bar, I was like, yo, did she really just do that? Did she really just bust that out? Who taught her that? You know, um, the ending of the match, you know, the, the ending of the match was great. Ronda. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what just happened there, but... That was a I, bit of technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Sorry, guys. All right, so, um, like I was saying, uh, the match is the expectation partner, so I can't really say nothing. It really did shock a lot of people. So, I got to give a lot of credit where credit is due. So I'm going to give that a B++, because I'm not... I'm too stingy to give that an A. See, you always were the stingy type. Partner, that's the crazy part. Uh, you were always the stingy type when it came to stuff like that. So, uh, let's continue here. I'm gonna try to speed up as quickly as I can because I want to get into the sports part. Uh, if we'll try to do another part where we will do the NXT portion of it probably tomorrow if we get a chance to, but we'll try to speed through this quickly. Uh, me, I'm gonna give it an A minus to an A, it's in between that range. You know, me, partner, I can't decide which grade I can figure out. So, yeah. Alright, so other, other than that is see the expectation. But let's 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 pick it up a little bit. And now we get to what was the next match after that? Oh yes, it was Blood Blood Brothers. Who pretty much did what they needed to do. Uh they dis- yep. they destroy the new day. They destroyed the Uso. I felt like if they would have had more time partner, uh honestly, yeah. I felt I felt like they probably would have put on a better match, but I mean, after you just saw Ronda Rousey just doing some stuff that you never thought she would have did, I don't blame it. I felt like it should have had more time. Makes sense. So, I give this a C. Um, I give it a D minus actually because it really didn't do anything besides be a squash match, which is going to be my rating for another match somewhere down the card. Which we will bring up the Undertaker versus John Cena. Uh, as you know, for the last couple weeks, John Cena has been trying to get the Undertaker. For the last couple weeks, he's been taunting the Undertaker, saying this, that, the third, blah, 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 blah. And when you thought the Undertaker come out, here comes Elias, partner. Elias comes out, right? And he gets his ass kicked. He gets beaten. And we thought that we were like, well, I guess Undertaker's not going to compete. I, I, I guess not. So. So John Cena goes up. We see Undertaker's robe and hat in the middle of the ring. Lights go out. His stuff is there. Pyro effects, lightning hits the ring. It goes dark again. Next year, here's the Undertaker, guys, who answers the challenge. He didn't say a word. He didn't say nothing. And this was probably the funnest three minutes of my life that I watched. The Undertaker squashing John Cena. When John Cena really thought he had the match won, Undertaker sat back up off a five-knuckle shuffle. When John Cena got really when John Cena just got shook, like he just saw a ghost. And of course took a tombstone. I thought he was gonna kick out. And 
I'm gonna be frank right here. This is um, this is gonna be conspiracy theory, first of all, but just let me play it out. I think WWE did this as fan service to the Smarks because of how much of a letdown AJ Styles versus Nakamura was. I feel like it is a conspiracy, though. Illuminati, maybe. But I also think that this, and I honestly do believe this, that John Cena is going to face Undertaker next year in an actual match. I don't know. I don't know because we saw Undertaker the previous year. He was not holding himself up. I don't know. Yeah, but didn't he do it? He either just like had hip surgery or he was about to get hip surgery. So hopefully, if we can, if we can see Undertaker get in another match, I would like it. But I don't know. We got to see that one. Uh, As we go right along here, Daniel Bryan, Shaman Man, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I mean, this match kind of. I was excited, it was a feel-good match. Really, that's what it was. It was a feel-good match. The start of the match, Daniel Bryan gets powerbomb, kind of reliving the fact that of that front, that SmackDown when he did get powerbomb, which took him from out the, from majority of the match, which kind of killed the vibe a little bit. But yeah, I didn't like it. So when Daniel Bryan did come back, I it wasn't the same Daniel Bryan that I knew. I mean, he was kind of. Well, you got to recognize that this man has had multiple neck surgeries, and WWE basically is likely basically told him if you want to wrestle, you got to change your moveset drastically. You cannot be landing on your neck anymore. And we and I thought we was about to see the diving suicide dive, but it went to a baseball drop. And I know that was kind of protecting him a little bit. I felt like he could have got a little more out of it. Uh, Daniel Bryan did, however, win by submission. Uh, making Sami Zayn, who are technically now staying fired, quote unquote, but he's they're probably going to Raw. Just saying. Yeah, back to Raw actually. So I'll give this match. I'll give it a B minus at most. Yeah, it's actually about what I was going to give it, but like I only give it that because one, it's a feel good match, and two, it could have been better. Well, first of all, with uh. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win because why would you have that stipulation in a WrestleMania match with Daniel knowing you're damn well not going to have Daniel Bryan lose in his return match? Yeah, because the the Smarts were right. The Smarts would have got it there. Um, we now got to the bottom half of the card, and this is Jesus. where it went downhill and downhill fast. I'm going to just breeze through this part now because I don't want to waste nobody's time on this podcast because... The... You know how horrible oh, it was. Yeah. Okay, so Nia Jax beats Alexa Bliss. She beat her by a super Samoan drop. Um, C plus at most. I'm not even going to go into detail with that match. about Nia being a role model would be okay except the person she was facing suffered from, I believe, what's the word I'm looking for? It was one of those eating disorders. So it's kind of hypocritical. Anorexia, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Sadly enough. Um, yeah, I'm going to give that a C- minus at most because I, I can't. I'll give it an F+. Plus. Yeah. I don't know. That's a possibility. 
Uh, am I missing anything from the card? Possibly. Uh, or, oh, we still got uh, arguably the worst WWE Championship match at WrestleMania, besides that god awful one between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt last year. As I told you earlier, partner, I said if WWE lets Shinsuke and AJ do what they want, um, honestly, I consider this one of the top candidates for match of the night. And as you told me before, they watered as down. As I told you, the match got v- extremely watered down and, and slow. But I will say this: Nakamura's entrance was awesome. Yes, yeah, probably one of the best entrances I've seen in a very long time. Dope his entrance. Can't say nothing bad about it whatsoever. Uh, and you can't say anything bad about the ending of the match either. I or mean, rather, what happened after the match. I mean, legitly, I mean, legitly, I think that was just a mate. You called me a conspiracist or not. I think they had to do something because of how piss poor the match was. I think they had to do it. It was just... It was just something they had to do. It was just like because the match was so piss poor, it was bad that they a Nakamura Hill turn was gonna shock some people. Yep. It it was gonna bother happen because legitimately after that match, I don't blame WWE for making the call for Nakamura to go Hill. And the reaction he got, I mean, that man was getting booed more than Roman Reigns. And oh, we, oh, I'm gonna get until to, later I'm, that night. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, we'll, we'll, we will, we will get to that. Um, okay, so we're gonna make this quick. Braun Strowman versus the Bar and his mystery little kid who actually is a referee's son. Mystery partner. Okay, so we and my partner have been speculating who will be Braun Strowman. You thought it was gonna be Kane. I just it just figured like it's that's a WWE move just to have all the suspension only for it to be Kane. That's what I figured. But there were also people saying it was gonna be Samoa Joe, some people saying Bobby Lashley, Raymond Scarface. I mean, this was the biggest swerve out of all things. Shout out to Vince Russo. This is what a swerve. Braun Strowman gets this twelve year old kid. That is that who's by the way, that is John's Coon's son, by the way. Yep. And how how convenient his name was already what you call it. They already had his thing set up. I'm just saying. I'm just about to put that out. Anyhow, Braun Strowman pretty much destroys the bar. And I mean, actually, what was crazy was this Nick kid Nick tagged in. Nicholas gets tagged. The crowd is going Man, crazy for this guy. More. Amazing part is that in those few minutes, Nicholas was more over than anybody on the card not named Daniel Bryan. I mean, legitly, he gets to the read. He didn't even touch Cesaro. He didn't make physical contact. He didn't do nothing. He was so scared, but the crowd was cheering up like, yo, like, yo, dude, you got this. He's scared. You can tell he was. At least they didn't let Cesaro take the pin from the kid. That would just been more. That would just been awfully disrespectful. And this is coming from a Cesaro. Yes. Yeah. Luckily, Braun Strowman took the pin. Hey, like the literally, the kid could have barely pick up the title. He he could barely pick up that thing. Jeez. Uh, this was kind of like a laughable moment for me. I give it a C. I mean, it's not it's not your your grit and grind match, but honestly, it was kind of one of those. 
a decent break before we had to <sighs> go on to one of the worst WrestleMania events. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath, partner. I'm gonna make this quick. Okay, this man so sucks. Bring back Nicholas. You both suck. Beach Ball Mania. Rusev. Okay, hey, CM Punk. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna make this quick, guys. If you were watching that match, if you heard the rumors, if you heard all the stuff, Roman Reigns, Brawler's contract was gonna be up at the end of the WrestleMania. So was Paul Heyman. Speculators was going on was saying that Brock was going to UFC after this. Okay. Probably still is. So, what we got, we expected that Roman Reigns was going to finally be the one that kicked out of Brock Lesnar's at five. We thought he was going to get suplexed. Of course, that's Brock Lesnar's only, send of mu- uh, only set of a move set that he has. And we thought he was going to be the one and, and one and one person to kick out of the F5 in his reign. Sure well, enough, Vince McMahon was conference. like, well, get ready, Keyboard Warriors, because I saw it on Twitter last night when I woke up this morning before I went to bed. Brock Lesnar beats Roman Reigns in a SummerSlam from years ago when John Cena was the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Times two. Times two. With Legitly. a shout-out to when he busted Cena's nose back in Extreme Rules 2012. And who was the other person who he gave a crimson mask to? Oh, that's right. The Apex Predator, the Viper, who was the United States Champion, by the way, early in the night, who is not now, Randy Orton. Yeah. Totally. So this was a plot for Vince Man to say, that Roman Reigns put up a valiant effort, it's supposed to get him over. Here's the problem with this. Roman's not getting over anytime soon, no matter what he is. He's going to get booed. No matter if you put him as a face, no matter no matter what he is, you're not going to get him over. I don't care about anything else. Look, let's be honest here. It's not going to work. It's, it's just not. They may as well you have know? him heal, give him Paul Heyman, and let him have his career like that. I mean... The chants speak for themselves. They started this is awful chant, and the and you could tell Vince was trying to mute the mics because you can hear them. Yeah, they say, they say this is awful. CM Punk, they said boring. I mean, literally, they go if I everything but Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, and they were playing with goddamn beach balls again. All I'm saying is this, um. This was the biggest surprise. Again, well, yeah, I think one hundred percent expectation that Roman was going to win because he's you know Vince's true golden boy, hypocritical Roman in the promos. I mean, legitly, guys. I mean, the keyboard. I mean, partner. If you would have saw the keyboard warriors last night, yeah, I was one of them. I was not enthusiastic for this match at all. If you look on my. A Twitter yeah. account, you can just see me destroying this match. I mean, partner, when I say the keyboard warriors were out in full in full rage, I mean, man, I mean, God, damn, that was bad. Whew, that was that was just, whoo, man, they ripped them boys apart. They, who them, 
Mm. Oh, man. The, shout out to the Keyboard Warriors from last night. I, I will pull up y'all tweets, but I don't got time. Uh, We'll do the NXT section of it tomorrow. But real quickly, I want to run down some NBA real quick as the season's winding down with a week left, basically before the playoffs start. Uh, For the Eastern Conference partner, oh, actually, let's give our rating for the show. I give it a 6.5. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's about a C. So, a six point five for me. Uh, he said a C for him, which is good because so, there was a lot of great, think, but then there was a lot of awful during the final third. And you can and at WrestleMania, if you have an underwhelming final show, you cannot be a great WrestleMania. Sadly enough, sadly enough, and that's what happened. And that's really what happened. So now let's talk some a little bit of NBA after the Jesus Christ, man. Uh, each we're gonna go through the standings real quick, partner. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna try to get through these as fast as possible. In the East Conference, the eight teams are are pretty much look like they're about to be locked up in the playoffs. The Raptors, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Cavs, the Pacers, the Heat, the Bucks. And that final spot will go to the Wizards because the Pistons are virtually out. Even if they do win all their games, they're pretty much out of the playoff hunt. Because the only way they will have is because the only well, actually, they'll still be a game short. So yep. they're virtually out of the playoff hunt. Uh, big news here: the 76ers, in the first time in almost four or five seasons, have won 50 games, but they have to deal with the Cavs because virtually, if they win all their games. They will lock up the Thursday, which means they will have to take on the Miami Heat. Which will anger and, me because I've been waiting for a LeBron and James and Dwayne Wade playoff series my entire life. Unless, unless the 76ers lose, because they've been on a 14-game winning streak as of late. So, let's hope. We'll see what happens as their final two games will be against the Knicks, I believe so. Their final couple games will be against the New York Knicks. And for the 76ers, their final two games will be uh, going up against the Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. And I doubt they're going to lose to the Hawks because the Hawks, you know, are trying to tank to get uh, DeAndre Ayton or whomever they decide to pick. I pick Ayton, but nonetheless. Yes. And out in the West, partner, man, we have a race for the AC. We have a bloodbath is more accurate. If it if no 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 we we are talking about a war. I mean, this is probably the most competitive Western Conference playoff time. Cross your fingers, pray that pray to like May Jean May Jean of Loyola basketball because legitly part of I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through the top two teams real quick. Houston being number one, who would look like they're about to go win sixty six games this year. Warriors in second with fifty eight. And then, from the third seed down, partner, this is where it gets interesting. Trailblazers mm-hmm. with 48 wins. Jazz with 47 wins. That's the third and fourth seed that I just mentioned, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans and the Spurs are virtually... The Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Thunder virtually tie for the fifth seed. And right now, and then if, if you know me, I'm praying the Pelicans lose all their games because I am a Bulls fan. And then, of course, we got the Timberwolves and the Nuggets tied for 45 wins, which means 
if which me well, if we take a look at the last two games, partner, the the T Wolves have to they're gonna go against the tanking Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Oh wait, they're gonna compete. So in one of those two games. So here's how this is looking, partner. These last two games for all these teams. If either t- if any of these teams from the three C down, if they even make take one loss, one of them are gonna be drop out of the seating. Just drop. Yep. Especially because Portland because Portland's not safe, partner, by any means. Portland is not safe. They were a by any point, means. but yeah, Portland is not safe from anything whatsoever. They're not, they can't duck it. There's just no way you can do it. Um, you can't you can't duck that fact. So Portland, if they lose a game, they they can drop tremendously. Now, for the three for the three way tie right now between the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Thunder partner, this is a scary situation, especially for the mm-hmm. Thunder, because. If you really think about it, partner, the Thunder, they had expectations that they probably would be a top seed. Yep. They're struck they're barely in the playoffs. As it first off, they haven't even clicked the playoff spot yet. Which is first of all, a damn shame because they not only do they have the reigning MVP, but they have a multiple all first of all, they have two multiple all stars. But let's talk about the Thunder as a whole. And this is gonna get a little NBA political for uh you basketball heads out here. Uh, what the Thunder's performance this year has just given me more incentive to believe that Russell Westbrook should not have won MVP last year. A lot of, I, a lot of people will say that, and honestly, James Harden has been snubbed for the last three years. I say two out of two out of three years actually. He's been snubbed quite often. There's no way in the world that James Harden doesn't win MVP this year. I don't see. Why he doesn't win MVP? If he does not win MVP this year, I will be, I will say that, I will say this right now. The NBA has something against James Harden. I will say that with a passion. I'm inclined to agree. Because if this man does not win MVP, because legitimately, we can go right now, and if I can pull up, if I can find James Harden's stats for the season right now, I'm gonna pull this up right now, and, I, and you tell me, partner. He's not having an MB. He's not having an MVP season. He's been having an MVP season since he left uh, OKC. All right, so let's uh, let's take a look at James Harden this year. So James Harden this year, partner. James Harden, take listen to these numbers. He's averaging thirty points a game, a, barely a block, almost two steals, averaging almost nine assists. Five rebounds, shooting 85% from the free throw line, shooting, what else? What else do I'm seeing here? He's also shooting, well, he's shooting low, he's shooting 36% from the three-point line, which is kind of expected, but he's also shooting 45% from the field. Yep. If you're telling me that James Harden, who's averaging 30 points, five rebounds and eight assists, while also having... One of the while also putting up what sixty points at one point, a sixty point triple double, the first person in history to do that. Yeah. If you're telling me James Harden does not win the NBA's most valuable player, people are saying LeBron James should win. No. LeBron James is. T- Here's why I'll tell you this right now, partner. Why LeBron James's team is not going to win the win 
the MVP. First off, his team needs help. Has he done drastically to change the culture of Cleveland besides getting into more drama and the fact that his team was the oldest team in the league? Two, he built it. Two, LeBron James. Yes, he's putting up good stats, but again, his team is not even in first place. And I'm gonna say this mm-hmm. right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my neck out here, partner. I'm a, I'm a just gonna put my neck out here right now. The Cavs, and I repeat, you gonna laugh at me when I say this. The Cavs are not making the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm saying that right now. You gonna laugh I at me when I say that? I strongly disagree with you on that because. The Celtics ain't doing jack squat even with Kyrie Irving. I don't care what anybody says. The Cavs are not making the finals. Not making the finals. They're not even going to get past. the. They're not going to even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm saying that. And I know the basketball warriors are going to come at me at my head saying, LeBron James is the, he's the best basketball player in the world. He's going to find his way to get to the finals. And then what? You're going to have to face a team like the Rockets. You're going to have to face a team like the Golden State Warriors. And you know, if LeBron goes back there and he faced Steph Curry, oh, my God, do you know how much they're going to brutalize this man? Yeah. Because not only not only did you lose your score production, but they're going to really make you tired now. Because now Curry's going to cook who, Jordan Clarkson or George Hill or whoever. He's going to have a field day with them. And – and don't get me started on the Rockets because if the Rockets make it to the final, you're going to have to deal with the fact that they run more offense than not, and they're going to outscore you. Matter of fact, they beat you by so much. Yeah. And one of those games was that was without Chris Paul, by the way. Which says a lot. And that's scary. You know, and well, here's my um, – Go ahead. Here's my thing. This season has sh- shocked a lot of us. And – I don't know about you. It, this season has really shot me a lot. First off, the rise of Victor Odalipo in Indiana has shocked me. I thought the Indiana Pacers were not going to make the playoffs when they got Victor Odalipo. I thought when they made that trade for Paul George, I said, they're not going to make the playoffs. There's no way. But all of a sudden, this guy's all of a sudden coming out of nowhere, and he's dropping bombs. Yeah. Well, um... I think a lot of this has to do with Nate McMillan, which is why he's actually probably my choice for coach of the year, to be honest. Nate McMillan has something. I mean, Victor Odalipo, like, you cannot tell me this guy doesn't get most approved player. You cannot tell me. You you cannot. You can. If somebody tells me that he doesn't win most approved player, I mean, part, I mean, partner, l- listen, listen to these stats real quick. Last year, Victor Odalipo averaged 15 points a game while with the Thunder, due to the fact that he was playing with Russell Westbrook because he was having that historic season. He averaged 15 points, barely didn't even get a block, one steal, averaged four rebounds, shot 75% from the free throw line. He shot a abysmal, an abysmal, abysmal partner. All right, so like I was saying, Part three, like I was saying, partner, I was saying this before, again, technical difficulties with spine. This man upped his scoring average, partner, from 15 points to 23. That's an eight-point jump. Yeah. He also, he's also, his blocks went up. He's almost averaging a block. He's averaging 2.4 steals, which is a career high. And I am going to start with this. A lot of this has to do with Okay, there are three reasons why Oladipo is doing this well. 
A lot of it has to do with old people. About a 45% for that. A little bit of it is Navy Mills. So that's about another 25. Uh, yeah, 25. But then there's a resounding 30% no Russell Westbrook in the factor. I mean, partner, this guy was because the... This Russell Westbrook effect has been happening with a lot of players. DeMontis Sabonis, Oladipo's teammate. Uh, Kevin Durant, who's actually probably having his best season ever, if we're being real secure as terms of all around this. And then Ibaka is on a is gonna be on a damn near sixty win team. Uh, let's see who else. Oh yeah, Reggie Jackson, who was a pretty good player before the injury started happening uh, a couple seasons ago. I mean, I mean, what can you do? Happened with James Harden. Yeah, and now, and now, I mean, look, now you got this team who is now in the playoff, who's now in the playoff. They're in the playoff, and I know for a fact, if anything, the Pacers, they got that seed locked up. They got the fifth seed locked up because the Heat and the Bucks are still fighting to see who's going to get the sixth seed, who's going to really face the 76ers. My whole thing is, is this. This team, this, this, this team has made a big turnaround in a big way, and that's because of one man, Victor Oladipo. This man is some scary, and if Damon Miller is still there, I don't see this. I don't see. I don't see why not. He's going to become one of the best scorers I've ever seen in the NBA. We knew he could score, but everybody said he's probably a bust. Everybody said this. Yes, he's twenty five years old. He's kind of hitting his groove now because he's in a system that he likes. Yeah, he's in. You've a- hit the nail around the head. And that's what I've been telling people from the jump, partner. I've been saying this for the longest of time. If you put Victor Odalipo in the right system, he's going to blossom into something that nobody nobody doesn't even know about. And guess what? He did. He made the all-star team this year. Yeah. He made the all-star team this year, which is great. That's amazing. That man made the all-star team after getting traded, and now he's proving everybody wrong. Heck. Indiana fans are loving this guy. I will say this for Oladipo. It's great you made the All-Star team, but I want more. I want you to see you on the All-NBA teams. I feel like if if I'm the Pacers, right now you got a nice little court. You got Miles Turner, which I'm hoping. Oladipo like locked up for a long time. But now you got – I feel like if they can get one more piece, I don't care – if they can get a solid good piece, it don't have to be a superstar, but just another piece around Odalipo, man, Indiana, it's gonna be these up and coming teams, the Pacers, the 76 You put Indiana and you give Victor Odalipo another guy to help him out, it's a wrap. That team is gonna you know, be a factor this into the fact that one, LeBron is probably leaving, whether that be to Philadelphia, Los Angeles, or Houston, will be yet to be determined. And two, even if he stays, he's on the decline. I don't know if he's really declining, partner. I mean, I don't. I think that man. I think that man came out of robot factory or some. Well, even if he's not declining, he's not going to be playing past uh, thirty six, thirty seven. Look, I, look. All I'm saying is this: LeBron James. He's he's not the user, he's not the same player. He's not. He's not that prime player that we all is. He's trying to become clutch. 
He's trying to prove – he's trying to make a case that he has been clutched throughout the season. But that kind of got shot down so many With times. that free throw. When you just – when you got bailed out like that, partner, with three free throws, all you had to do was simply hit the three free throws, the game is over. The game is tied. You go into overtime. You miss – you missed two free – you missed two free throws. Well, the, the third, the last one, you had to bet you to even tie the game up. Yeah. That LeBron James, and I will say this over and over again, partner. LeBron James is not clutch. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if nobody likes me. I don't care. Well, LeBron James. I think he's necessarily not clutch. Is that it's that he's not at his best in clutch situations. Partner, the man is a 74% free throw shooter. If anything else, I'll, I'll free throw shooting season last season and in the finals. So look, partner, all I'm saying is this: if you are the cat, if I was in a situation, I would not have LeBron James. And I'll say this with the boldness: I would not have LeBron James shooting free throws at the end of games. I don't care who you are. He can't hit those free throws. He's seventy four percent. That means he hit his free throws, but he is you really but you have to kind of pray that he hits his free throws. I'd rather have a guy like Kevin Love hitting free throws. Kevin Love. Well, that's a given. Well, first of all, not to be racist here, but he's a white guy that can okay, shoot. Okay, look, look, look. Some black guys can shoot the three ball too. Okay. We can't we we're not gonna deny that fact. But well, yeah. but again, the whole debate with LeBron James and his legacy. If LeBron James, if he, if LeBron James goes to a different team this offseason, his legacy is ruined. It's it's done. He, nobody, he he cannot say he's one of the greatest if he keeps with the team because he's not finding the solution to his problem. I'm sorry, I will have to say that. I'm gonna have to say that. Well, he's not staying in Cleveland and. Well, first of all, who would really willingly stay in Cleveland to begin I mean, with? Let's be real here, man. Who really, really wants to stay in Cleveland? Second of all, um, LeBron wants to compete, whether that be in the Western Conference, where um, that's gr- that's really on the decline lately, or the Eastern Conference, where he can still be a top three seed for the remainder of his career because um, the East is, you know, horrible. So, yeah. And whether he goes to Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Miami, hell, he could even go to the Bulls if he wanted to. Me and you both know if he goes to the Bulls, partner, we would be ecstatic, but then be like, we don't want you. Yeah, because we're trying to rebuild. But the point still stands. Like I said, partner, I'm, I'm just highly – I'm I'm highly disappointed right now. It's just, you know, LeBron James, he's one of the best players of our generation right now, and there's no denying that fact. He's one of the best players of our generation. Um, I just feel like, you know, I just feel like, you know, if – I feel like if LeBron James I, – I said this before years ago. LeBron James made the right decision by leaving Cleveland the first time. Because of the situation he was in. Dan Gilbert was not helping that situation. And maybe, yes, maybe, was he wrong, kind of, for making a super team? Yeah, but guess what? That jump-started his career and got him two NBA championships. Yeah. Two. 
an additional two MVPs. And an additional two MVPs. Also, guess what, partner? Guess what? He went back to Cleveland and brought them home a championship. Putting his kind of three championships. It's really Miami. I mean, Cleveland does not deserve a championship. They got it, that championship got handed to them by the basketball gods and a lot of injuries. I will say that, but yes, either way it goes, LeBron James, he's the greatest player of this generation. There's there's no denying that conversation, but is he the greatest of all time? If we take rings out of the discussion right now, I know I'm trying to finish up the podcast here, but I'm gonna end it on this. If we take rings out of the discussion with him and Mike for a second. What do you still have besides that? Jordan's three more finals MVPs. Jordan still have three more finals MVPs. Yes, we get – One more MVP, the defensive player of the year. Yes, we can go on the discussion about who Michael faced in the finals. Okay, so what? LeBron James faced a young, young and upcoming Kevin Durant. He also faced a, a pretty much almost past his prime Dirk Nowitzki who played phenomenal. So did Jason Terry. He also played the San Antonio Spurs on Tim Duncan's last leg with Mario Ginobili and Tony Parker being almost past their prime. We can also mention that he has faced the Warriors three times. One of them being one of them teams facing Steph Curry, who was having a phenomenal season. And then of course, the then of course they faced him again with the unanimous MVP version of Steph Curry, even though they won that year. And then you face Kevin Durant again, but this time he he made an admission to embarrass you in the finals. Yeah. If you if you take all the fact that LeBron James has went to seven NBA straight finals, we can have that's that's a great accomplishment. The fact that you have been to the finals seven straight times means that you know how to get there. But here's the thing: Mike has went to six NBA finals. He didn't do them straight. But he went to six NBA finals. And guess what? When he's when he was there, he won them. That will always separate LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was known for closing out. Everybody, Michael Jordan, we will always say Michael Jordan has never went to a game seven. If you notice something, LeBron James has went to game seven on a couple of different occasions. I think he's only Yeah, and he had to win in two he had to win his championships in two of those game sevens. Let's keep this also in mind. LeBron James his record's in the finals. We can point that out all day. But at the end of the day, what separates him from Mike is that Mike, at the end of games, will put – if you, no matter who you are, no matter who it is, the ball will always be in Mike's hand when the game is on the line. LeBron, yes, we always joke about how LeBron passes off to somebody. He's been trying. But no matter what, LeBron doesn't have a mentality like Mike did or Kobe at that fact. He doesn't have that drive saying – I want the ball in my well, hands. Well, um, in his defense, I'd rather not have a mentality like Kobe in the games because there's a seventy-five, there's a yeah, seventy-five, twenty-five percent chance that Kobe misses. Let's be real here. But when it came to Michael Jordan, he made stuff happen, and if he didn't get the ball, you knew he was gonna call a timeout and be like, "I want the ball." That was Michael Jordan's mo. Now, yes. Now, yes, the argument about Michael Jordan passed if it wasn't for Paxson or if it wasn't. Can we cut the crap, please, with that? I'm so well. First of all, because I'm so in those games without those threes, they're still first of all could have been a game seven. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of that. It's so annoying how people always mention. Well, if it was for John, yes, we get it. In two of those finals, yes, John Paxson bailed him out. 
Yes, Steve Kerr bailed him out. But that's because he knew. His greatness knew. He knew it, when they was facing the Utah Jazz the first time. He knew that he couldn't get the ball. They were going to trap him. Yeah. And then he, first of all, he was the one who passed off to help win the game. He didn't rely on a missed three and a great rebound with Chris Bosch, which is very underrated, by the way. No one remembers that rebound. Nobody gets credit for Chris Bosch for that rebound because, like I said, everybody said, oh, Ray Hall saved us. No, Chris Bosch was a part of that, too. You know? And as you know, Chris Bosch gets the rebound, I believe. Was it Ginobili who was too slow to recover on Parker? Parker got there. It was Tony Parker who got there. He was in the grill, but by the time by the time Parker got there, the release was up. Ray Allen was already gone. His release was already there, and in the words of Mike Breen, bang! That's all you can hear. Yep. But I think I covered most of what I wanted to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, for the first ever Asylum Podcast. Yes, it's in three parts. I understand that part. Don't, don't bury my heads, guys. But if you like this podcast, please, we're going to try to do this on Fridays, not after a pay-per-view, but we're going to do this every every other Friday or every Friday where we're going to talk about news, sports, wrestling, whatever's going on. This is going to be the new platform because, you know, Google Hangouts podcast is trash. Um, Any final thoughts before we get up out of here, Mr. L.R. Wood? Well, we pretty much covered everything. Um, my, uh, but one of the things I want to talk about was the NBA draft, but we can wait until uh, till next Friday, I guess. Yes, we can leave that to next Friday. So, um, my final thoughts, like I said, overall, what a weekend we had, what a weekend we had for WrestleMania. Uh, the NBA playoffs are, are going to soon start pretty soon. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, honestly, I just I just gotta see what's what's up next. But this is the first episode in three parts of the Asylum Podcast. Please turn, please tune in every every so Friday so you can catch us, me, the one, the only EXN TV, and the boys himself, LR91. And hopefully, we keep bringing you back great great news and great stuff. So until then. I'm EXN TV. This is my partner, LR91. We're signing off for now. Until then, we'll catch you guys later.